Once again, welcome. Hopefully uh, you were warmly welcomed and already kind of your heart settling into uh, the reason we're here, and that's to worship the Lord, to learn um, about Him and about us, to learn. I had a lot to learn about who I was and, and didn't begin to learn until I became a Christian. So uh, let's get Bibles into people's hands so we can all be in the same place. We're in John chapter 3 today. If you didn't bring a Bible, you're visiting today or, or you forgot yours at home or the dog ate it or something like that, uh, just put your hand up and the guys in the back will bring a Bible to you. Love to, uh, maybe you have it on your iPod or something like that, that's fine too. But somehow get to where you can read for yourself John chapter 3. For those of you that know your Bibles, uh, you've studied for some years, you know that what we're about to engage in today uh, is, is just some of the most amazing passages of scripture in the whole Bible. John chapter 3 is, uh, we are in for a treat together. So turn there, John 3. If you like to, we're probably not going to read it today, but you may want to mark it and read it when you get home. It's Numbers chapter 21. There's a reference to it in John chapter 3. And uh, so, but we're not going to actually go there. I'll paraphrase it and summarize it. But I would suggest that tonight, before you lay your head down, or, or as you're getting ready to go to bed, uh, or sometime during the afternoon before your nap time after church or something like that, that you read uh, Numbers chapter 21 for yourself. Lord, we are so thankful that you just take ordinary, everyday people, broken vessels, and you pour out your love into their hearts so that we can have hope and a hope that doesn't disappoint. And you pour out your spirit into our lives and you immerse us into the body of Christ. And Lord, I pray that what would be known of this congregation is our faith. That we would be known as a people that really, really believe and that that belief marks our lives. Father, we want to be known as those that serve and worship the living God, the one and only and true and powerful and omniscient and omnipresent and everything else that you are, God. I am the Lord and there is no other is what you told us. And Lord, we come this morning just believing that. So Lord, take our hearts, take our minds, Take our lives, Lord. We have just a short time on this earth. And Lord, use this while we're here. We want to be equipped. We want to be ready. We want to be built up and strong in our faith so that we can uh, withstand the attacks. And not only that, Lord, but that we can make progress with seeing souls saved for eternity. Lord, I pray that this next time would be beneficial uh, to us as we worship you in your word. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Now, we're in John chapter 3. We've talked about the fact that John wrote the whole purpose of his gospel was that so people just like you and just like me could believe, would believe, and then by believing and in believing that we would have life, spiritual life. We all have earthly life. We have a heartbeat. Uh, naturally speaking, but John wants us and knows that in this world there's more to life 
than just having a heartbeat. Somebody say amen. There's, there's more to life than just having a heartbeat and waking up in the morning. There's a whole spiritual side of life that gets neglected or overlooked or ignored. And John doesn't want to see you ignore that. He wants to see you understand it so you can have life, not just, not just physical and natural, but uh, spiritual and that more abundantly, abundantly. The spiritual life makes your natural life much more abundant. So that's why he wrote, and now I have a couple things for those of you that, that I don't often do this, but today I did it. Uh, I have some notes for you to take. So if you have a pencil, then just get out your, your bulletin or somewhere that you can write. I'm going to have you write 10 words. I know it's a lot of words. And again, I don't normally do this. But today we are talking about being born again. Being born again. And there are 10 things, I think, that we're going to find out from John in the third chapter of John about being born again. Are you ready with your 10 10 lines or can you squeeze them in somewhere? Number one, I want you to write the word essential. Being born again is essential. Number two, being born again is spiritual. Number three, being born again is invisible. Number four, being born again is uncontrollable. That doesn't mean that you're uncontrollable. That's another. It's being born. You'll see when we go through all this is right in the passage. Number whatever I'm on. Being five. Thank you. Being born again is practical. Number six. Being born again. This is great news. Is available. It's available. But to who? Well, number seven says being born again is not just available, but it's attainable. A-T-T-A-I-N. Attainable. You can attain it. Next one, being born again is valuable. Now, tough one. The next one, being born again is refusable. And finally, being born again is transformational. Essential, spiritual, invisible, uncontrollable, practical, available, attainable, valuable, refusable, and transformational. Okay, so that's just kind of a preview. Now let's go and see where all that exists. Are you ready? John chapter 3, the story of or the account of, I don't like to use the word story because story sounds like bedtime story, like mythology. This is an account, an actual historical account of a man named Nicodemus. Some people like to call him Nick at night because he comes to Jesus at night. So verse 1 of chapter 3, all people are believing in Jesus because of the signs which they're seeing. And one of the people is this man named Nicodemus. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So who is he? Who is Nicodemus? Well, we know that he's a Pharisee, which is one of the ruling parties of the Jews. He was a religious leader, and he was uh, uh, part of the ruling group. They had, a, they had like what we would call like a church council. They had, for all the Jews, a group called the Sanhedrin. 
and it was a group of 70 men who oversaw all of the affairs uh, of the Jewish people at that period in that time. And so he was one of those very important guy. Well, the Pharisees, they were the separated ones. They had made their, their life uh, of their life's work to make sure that people know that they were different. They were separate from other people. They lived very strict lives of obedience to what they thought were the, was the law of God and the, their interpretation of the law of God and their traditions. So anybody would have looked at, at Nicodemus and said, this is, a, this is a spiritual guy. I mean, he is, he's looking the, looking the part. You know, he lives, he denies himself, he lives separate for God is what, what people would say. And so he's well-educated, uh, he knows his Bible inside and out, knows the Old Testament, He's a ruler of the Jews. Verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night. Now we don't know why he came by night. Some people say because he was sort of a secret believer. The Pharisees had this uh, very tenuous relationship with Jesus. They envied him. They didn't like, uh, they, they loved their own power and the people to worship them. And Jesus came on the scene and, and it caused a lot of controversy because he, uh, he didn't encourage their traditions. He sort of was a rebel in their eyes. And so there was some controversy between the Pharisees and Jesus. But Nicodemus sort of seems to believe. So he, maybe he comes by night because he's hiding. Some people say that. Or maybe because it's the only time he could get an, an audience with Jesus. He was so busy with the crowds and everybody during the day that maybe the nighttime was the only time he could find him available. We don't know the answer. But he comes by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So it seems that that Nicodemus has a few things to say. He makes this recognition and he says we. So we don't know, is Nicodemus there representing a few other people? Is he he representing uh, a group of people? We don't know. He could be. Uh, just speaking in general terms, hey, here's what we recognize. We know that you're a teacher. Now, of course, we know that Jesus is a teacher, but he's much more than that. He's, it's not just about what we learn. We'll see that in a minute. We, we know you're a teacher, come from God. It's obvious that God is, is with you because no one could do what you do unless God is with them. And it's almost like he would say more. You know, it's like, okay, that's just the beginning sentence and and there's more Nicodemus but it it may be that Jesus sort of cuts him off it it seems like I can't say for sure but Jesus sort of breaks in he already knows the thoughts of Nicodemus he know he knows why Nicodemus is there he knows what he's going to ask or what he wants to talk about what's Nicodemus curious about well Jesus said to him most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God so I have to wonder, did Nicodemus come curious, maybe, you know, just like the disciples, hey, Jesus, when, when you come into your kingdom, can we sit on your right? We want to be in power with you. And so maybe Nicodemus is trying to, you know, get himself a place of power, thinks Jesus is going to bring in this earthly kingdom and thinks maybe he can get a place in that. Don't know for sure. But nonetheless, this is what Jesus says to him. He says, Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Just circle born again. Or or write that under your, your little outline. Write that next to the word essential. You see, folks, 
being born again is essential. It's not optional. It's not just for those that are the spiritually mature. It's just not for those Bible thumpers or for those who are serious about their faith. Being born again is the whole deal. Now, Nicodemus is confused about exactly what that means. And, and he'll ask a question about that. But, but before we go on, this is the essential thing. Being real, Nicodemus was a... Would, how many of you would agree with me that Nicodemus is a religious man? I mean, you can't refute it. He's a religious man. And he's a knowledgeable man. He knows the Word of God. He's got lots of verses memorized. Matter of fact, we'll learn later, he's probably a scribe, which means that it's his professional job to know and interpret the Scriptures. That's his job. So I would say we'd, he knows the Bible. He knows, but yet, he's lacking something. What's he lacking? He's not been born again. And so this is, this is huge for Nicodemus because he would think that he's, got, he's been born, he has the right lineage. He's, been, he's, from the, he's a Jew, he's from the family of Abraham, man. He's a Jew, he's, he's, he knows the traditions, he's involved in these things, he's living separate, all these things, all outward. But he wasn't born again. And listen, folks sitting here this morning, I don't know where you've come from. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home. And maybe you've been going to church all your life. So much of the energy of the church is spent trying to teach natural people that haven't been born again to live like those that have. And the most frustrating place on the face of the earth is to have never been born again and trying to live the Christian life. It's just a very, very, maybe some of you have tried that for a time. Maybe you're trying that right now. It's a very frustrating place to be. Being born again. See, there's natural people. Now, when I say a natural person, that doesn't mean you, like, you don't wear deodorant, you don't wear shoes, and you, you eat granola, and you avoid, you, you know, you're vegan, and you don't eat gluten and all. That's not what I mean by a natural man. A natural man is someone who uh, lives according to their, their um, sin nature. To, they just do whatever comes naturally. It's, it's full of Envy and strife and division and just someone who doesn't live for God is a natural person. Someone has no consciousness for the things of God. So just keep an eye on that. Being, being born again is essential. I was, uh, I was at the soup kitchen Friday talking to this young girl that was there from UVA. UVA InterVarsity has some kids that come out to the soup kitchen. And we were talking about the church that she goes to in Charlottesville. And I said, oh, I know of your church. And I said, the only thing I've heard about your church is that the music is loud. And so she goes, oh, no, our church is a great church. We have a wonderful church. I said, okay, well, tell me something else that would, would define your church so that I can, you know, next person I talk to, I can say, well, I heard good things about that church. I heard, and she said, our pastor is funny. That's, that was it. That's what, I said, well, our church doesn't have that problem. Uh, <laughs> you guys can't say that. But I thought, is that, is that really what we do? Is that really what church is? Was, the, the music's loud and our pastor's funny? I mean, it, is that it? And see, so much of our energy and effort is spent trying to attract or trying to, to draw fleshy people by using fleshy means. And we never, well, let's look, on, we'll get to that in a second. I get a little bit, I get excited, I get ahead of myself. Hey, Nicodemus, lest you're born again. Now, this is blowing his mind. He thought for sure he was guaranteed into the kingdom. He said, Nicodemus, you're not even going to see it unless you're born again. Well, Nicodemus says to him, verse 4, how can a man be born when he's old? 
How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born? I mean, so he thinks he needs a second natural birth. Everybody here was uh, born naturally one time. You, you, some, most of you weren't hatched. Some of you maybe. I'm not sure yet. Most of you, were, you had a natural birth. You were born from earthly parents, and you were born with a propensity to sin. Somebody say amen. Okay, we know we don't have to learn to sin. That comes naturally. Thank you. So you're getting this. That's our nature. What we do have to learn to do is obey. And what we do have to learn is to have a sensitivity to God, to righteousness. Those things we have to learn. They don't come naturally because they're not part of our nature. You guys are good. So Nicodemus says, wait a second, I, I've, I wouldn't want to be born again naturally. I mean, the teenage years, I'm glad those are over. Man, those were a nightmare, drama and all kind of confusion. I wouldn't want to be born again naturally. And if I was just born again naturally a second time, I'd repeat all the same mistakes I made the first time. And so would you, unless something was different. So Nicodemus says, how can, I, how can this, I don't understand what you're talking about. How can this happen? Can't be born again. It's, it's it's ridiculous. Verse 5. Well, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, a lot of people, uh, scholars, as you will, if you will, discuss what does he mean, water and the Spirit? Does that mean like baptism? Some people say that it does. You have to be baptized and be born of the Spirit. I don't think so. My opinion, and again, you'll find other opinions. Nobody knows which really is right. We, we, we can't know for sure what, what exactly Jesus was saying. But my speculation is that being born of water means to have a natural birth. Everybody has to have a natural birth. You know, when you're born, we say sometimes we refer to being born of water because the, the mother's water breaks and the baby comes out after that. So one has to be born of water and the Spirit. Or he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born again by the Spirit. Or born from above. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So, you know, an oak tree gives rise to what? Oak tree. Cats give birth to other cats. And dogs give birth to dogs. And if I, let's say we go to the pet store and we get a cat. Now, I know some of you are cat lovers, and you know my love-hate relationship with cats. I love to hate them. But uh, I, 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 no, some cats are okay as long as they're not in my house. But, uh, <coughs> but if we got a cat and I said, oh, I don't like this cat. I want a dog instead. I could try to teach my cat to eat dog food and to bark. And I could try to do all that to make him be a dog. But he was born... A cat. I, I can't make him. I could even get him dog surgery. And it probably could get some. But I can't make him a dog. Why? Because by nature he is a cat. And he's going to do cat things. He's going to go to the bathroom in places and he's going to hide it. And I'm not going to know it's there till I smell it later. And he's going to ignore me. And he's going to wait at the door when I open it to come in. Because it's, it's cold outside. Because he's a cat. Now a pig, you can take a pig and you can wash him up. And clean him and get him ready for the fair. 
And then when you bring him back home and you put him in his lot, where's he going to go? Right back to the mud. Why? Because he's a pig. And that's what pigs do. Now, I was born, nat- I was born a man of the flesh. You were born a man of the flesh means we did fleshy things. We did sinful things. That was our nature. Now, then you might say to someone, hey, come visit us at Calvary Chapel. And you see a bunch of people live in a certain way, and you go, I want to live like that. And so, you know, you figure, well, I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to get cleaned up. But then you go back out in the world, and what happens? You just go back to the old mud pits that you used to hang out with. Why? Because you're still a pig. And I mean that in a loving sense. It's just an illustration. The point is, look, you can't be educated into God's family. You can't tithe your way into God's family. You can't study your way into God's family. You can't attend your way into God's family. There's only one way to come to God's family and to be a child of God, and that is by birth. I can't, I've got, my, my kids have a lot of friends, and, and they're not fedans. Only my two are fedans. They were born that way. It's not their fault. Don't blame them. They had no control over that at all. But beyond being fedans, they're, they're children of God. And that was the birth that they got to choose, that I got to choose to be born again. We'll talk about that as we get further into the passage. That which is born of the flesh is... I can't, God, I'm not a fixer-upper. Say to yourself, I'm not a fixer-upper. I'm not a fixer It's God says, I can't. Sorry, it's so cor- you're so corrupt. Your, your, your old nature is corrupt through and through. There's nothing God can do with it. it you're just, you can't just come and try to be a better person. You can't come and say, well, I just want God to fix this part of my life. The whole thing needs fixing. And, and you're not a fixer-upper, so what does God say he's going to do? I'm going to start over. Amen. I'm going to start over new. How many of you would, would love or have had a new start? I needed a new start. I didn't need just a few areas fixed. It was a heart thing. It was inside of me. I knew that something inside of me had gone haywire. And so that which is born of the flesh is what? But that which is born of the spirit, born from God, is spirit. So now God gives you a new nature. Now what becomes natural for you is the spiritual thing. See, now it becomes natural for you to read your Bible. Why? Because you've been born again. You're spiritual now. And those things that used to be hard now become natural. And now it used to be hard to love people. And it's still hard to love people sometimes. But there's this, the, the, Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. I've got something inside now that drives me to do the things that I never used to do. I didn't used to care about sin. I used to be able to go and sin with the best of them and Never had any consciousness about it. Never had any worry about it. Just did it. It never came naturally. But then I got saved and now things, I started to feel guilty about stuff. Like, oh, I don't think I should do this. I don't think I should be engaged in this. Why? Because I was born again. Because you are born again. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit. And by now, Nicodemus' jaw is on the floor. Because he thought he was okay. He thought he was good. And his jaw is on the floor. And so Jesus says to him, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Because he's marveling about it. He's going, ah, what are you talking about? What do you mean I need to be born again? I thought I had everything I needed. I had all the external stuff. I I had the right suit. And the right Bible is a study Bible. 
And I even like highlight in it. So the, the, the new birth is essential and it's spiritual. See, it has to be, it's not just crystals and Ouija boards. It's born of God. You have to be born of God or you will never see. Listen, and I tell you this out of love. You have to be born of God. Doesn't matter what else you do. If you are not born of God, it, it's all empty. If there's any other motivation, any other source. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And now it's, it's also invisible. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Now when someone is born again, comes up here, yeah, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I wish they turned blue or something. Then we'd all look like Smurfs. Maybe blue's not good. <coughs> but I wish there was some external marker so we'd be sure, oh yeah, we know who's born again. But that's not the way God chose to do it. You see, being born again, your spiritual birth, you know, is, is invisible. And it's uncontrollable. Jesus says this, the wind blows where it wishes. You can't, Nicodemus, you can't control who's born again and who's not. There's some things in the spiritual life that, that man, mankind loves to control the stuff that God does. We like to make sure that the people that are born again are the ones who deserve it. The people that I like should be born again. But there's some people in my life, some people that have hurtful, been hurtful toward me, and I don't want them to be born again. But guess what? The wind blows where it wants. The Spirit of God will work in, in, in the lives that God wants him to work in and those who will let him. The wind blows where it wishes. You, you, can you see the wind? No. So the wind is invisible. So is the new birth. And it's uncontrollable. But here's the interesting thing. It's also practical. He says you can't see the wind, but you can hear it. And you can tell where it, you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. Uh, but you see the effects of it. That's how you know where the wind is. How many of you understand that wind exists? And how do you know? Because you see trees blowing. So how do I know if I've been born again? How do you know if you've been born again? You see the effects of it in your life. You may not understand where it came from or how it happened. Plus, look, please don't try. Let me just offer you that. Don't try to figure it out. It's not something you can determine intellectually. Just like you can't determine intellectually, where did the wind start? Where did that gust begin? I don't know. I mean, maybe meteorologists have a better chance than I do of figuring this out, but it's still kind of mysterious. And the work of God by the Spirit, power of the Spirit, is kind of mysterious, but you know that you know because your life changes. And you see the effects of it in people's life. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? I mean, how is this possible? This, this undermines everything I thought, everything I learned, everything I expected. I mean, I thought I was good. And so many people, you know how many people we talk to? This is the great American lie. How are you going to see the kingdom of, of God? How are you going to see heaven? Because I'm a what? I'm a good person. Now, did Jesus say, Nicodemus, you must be a good person to see the kingdom of heaven? It's not what he said. So let's just deal with that right now in this room, and then you can... So now, see, you're going to talk to people, and they're gonna, you're going to say, do you, know, can, do you know that where you're going to be for eternity? And they say, well, I'm a good person. And you're going to say, wait a second. Jesus said you have to be born again. The question isn't whether or not you're good, the question is whether you've been born again. 
So Nicodemus is just fried here. And, just, and he should know, Jesus says he should know better. Look at verse 10. Jesus answered him and said, are you the teacher of Israel? Not just a teacher. He was the teacher. He was the preeminent scribe for the Jewish people. And, and he says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? I mean, Nicodemus, this is basic. This is like God 101. And you don't know? And he says, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak... And, and, and scholars, again, debate, what does he mean when, when Jesus says we? We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Who's he talking about? Is he talking about him and the Father? Could be. You know, I, I don't know. Him in the Spirit? Who's the witness? We don't know. But certainly it could be those things. We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, I mean, I've explained to you about the wind and I've explained to you about birth and, and you still, he's struggling to believe this. I, I can't accept that. And some of you here, you'll think, you know, wait a second. You're telling me that I've grown up all my life going to church and I've tithed and I've given and I've worn a suit and I've done all those things that my religion demanded of me. And this guy, he's in prison and, and he can be born again and I'm not saved because I'm not born again. That doesn't seem right to me. But you don't choose what's right. It's God's sandbox. He chooses how, how, what the rules are. Right? And, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and we'll, we'll see why. He says, if I told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Well, how can Jesus tell heavenly things? He says, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So that's why Jesus is qualified to talk about Heavenly things, where is he from? Heaven. Where is he going back to? Heaven. And what's he born of? Remember Mary? The Spirit of God. Jesus is a man born of the Spirit. Born by the Spirit. And now he gives an example. Okay, so it's essential, spiritual, invisible, uncontrollable, practical. You see the effects. And he gives an example. Of, so, Nicodemus, you should have known this. You, you should have read Genesis. Here's the problem. Have you read Genesis? And what does Genesis say? On the day, of you, the day that you eat of it, that forbidden fruit, you shall surely die. Nicodemus, all you have to do is read Genesis. And you'll understand why people need to be born again. Because everything else is just dressing up a dead person. Everything else is just trying to, you know, maybe years ago, I think it was in the 80s, there was that movie, Weekend at Bernie's. I don't think I ever saw it. I mean, you guys, what is that? I can't, I'm not validating the movie. I haven't seen it. All I know is these two guys try to, try to hide the fact that their boss is dead. And so they, they kind of dress him up and they carry him places and they make his arms move. And, and for some of you, that's your, that's your church experience. You're just, it's just like I'm a puppet. I'm just moving around and, and I'm, I'm dressing right and everything's outward but there's no life in me and there's, there's no life to the things that I do and, and so it's practical and he says just as here's what you should have known Genesis and you should have known Numbers 21 don't go there and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so the son of man must be lifted up that's speaking of the cross and his glory that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
So he goes back to Numbers. Nicodemus, you remember the book of Numbers? That was part of the Torah, part of their prime study material. And he says, in the, there was a story about the children of Israel and what was happening. They were complaining, like not like us. We never complain, but they were complaining. So they're, oh God, why did you lead us out in the wilderness? And you just brought us out here to die and there's no food and there's no water and we're tired of that silly bread you gave us. We're just sick and tired of it. You ever been like, I'm sick and tired. You ever get up in the morning, sick and tired this morning. Just sick and tired. And that's what they were, sick and tired this morning. Tired of, and, and so God, and so they complain. And so what does God do? He makes things better by sending fiery serpents to bite them. You ever had that? You know, God, I'm sick and tired. And then you think, how could things get worse? And then what happens? You complain to God and then things get worse. God's teaching you something. So they send, and that's what, and it convicts them. Oh God, we, we, now we realize we sinned by complaining against you. Oh, help us, help us, and, and take away the fiery serpents. So they tell Moses, you know, have God take away the fiery serpents. And does, does God say, okay, fiery serpents be gone? No. It's, it's a story of, of judgment and dis- discipline, but it's also a story of mercy. Because what is he? He says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a brass snake. And I want you to put it up on a pole. And then whenever the s- people get bitten by the snake, all they have to do is look at the serpent on the pole and they'll be healed. And that is the... Now, now, now put yourself in the camp and there's all these serpents around, these poisonous snakes, venomous, and they bite your, they, they bite your son. Your teenage son, they bite him on the heel. And you're, oh no, he's going to die. I mean, he's dead. He's, he's got bitten. But wait a second. Didn't Moses say we could just look at the serpent and be healed? Son, look at the serpent on the pole. And, and the serpent speaks of sin. So just look. No, I don't believe it. I don't believe that that's going to work. I need medicine. I need real help. Get, call an ambulance. Get, get a doctor. No, no, no. Just, he just said, just, Moses said, just look. No, I don't feel like looking. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think, I think it's a lie. No, just really, just look. You can be here. And that same way, so just like Jesus is saying, you can, you can be born again. How, how am I born again? Well, it's available, he said. Look at verse 16. Verse 15 said, whoever believes. And then verse 16 is, is the verse that we all know, the gospel in, in summary. For God so love the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the Israelites that he gave them a serpent on the pole that whoever trusted what he said and looked, to the, looked at the serpent on the pole would not perish, would not die as they would as they were destined to, but would have life. All they had to do was look. And the Bible says, God, we have a, what is your conception about God and his relationship? Some people think that, that God hates the world. He's, because we hate the world, we think God hates it too. God loves the people of the world, not just the Jews. For God so loved the world, now Nicodemus is just in a puddle on the floor. I mean, he can't even, this is hard for him, because the Jews hated the non-Jews. And so for God to say that he loves the Jew and the non-Jew 
and the black and the white and the Hispanic and the poor and the rich, that whosoever... See, we, read, we wrote that down. The, the new birth is available. It's available to you. Because it doesn't come by education and it doesn't come by wealth and it doesn't come by the right denomination. It doesn't come by the, the right theology or the right practice or all of those things. It comes by believing whoever. Now, so you tell well, I, I can't believe. Jesus says you can. Jesus says you can recognize right now that you are a walking dead person. That the Bible says you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And God has given you a remedy for that. And it's Jesus Christ. And it's believing what the gospel says about you and about me and about God's remedy for our old nature. Whosoever, he loved the world and he gave his only begotten, his one and only unique son. You tell me that, you know, I, I love you. But, but to give you my son, I mean, I love that boy. I love my daughter too. I love them both tremendously. And, and to sacrifice them or to see them, something happen to them, you know, boy, that's hard. You know, and to do it volitionally for you. Wow. But that's exactly what God did. John writes about it in 1 John that this is the way we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for us. So he gave his only begotten son. No one forced him to. He did it out of love. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is again one of those great misconceptions people think, and, and we've, you know, we've done our part to, to help people think that Jesus is all about condemning people. Because what do they know about Jesus except for what we show them? And aren't we good at condemning people? I mean, and who does the media love to put on center stage Westboro Baptist Church? And all of their condemning signs and condemning protests and all of that. And it misrepresents God. And it misrepresents his heart for the people that they condemn. And it's wrong and it's terrible. And may God be merciful on the people that do that. Maybe ignorantly, maybe out of anger, whatever it is. Just know this, that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to offer the world life. Why? So why didn't he? Look at verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned, how? Already. See, Jesus didn't have to con- condemn anybody. Why? Because we've already, we're already condemned. The whole world is, every person in the world is living on death row. In that cell block. Now, here's the thing. Let's read on a little bit farther and we'll come to a conclusion of this. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe. And, and that kind of belief, that's a belief that leads, that's just not like, well, yeah, I believe it's true. That's a belief that changes the way you live. That's like, I really, really believe that, and therefore I'm going to live according to that. I'm going to live that way. It's condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, 
and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. And that's the next one in our list. It's available. It's attainable. Again, it's just by believing. It's not so far from you that you can't attain it. All you have to do is believe. And it's, it's valuable. What's it valuable for? So that I don't have to be condemned. That I can be saved. If you're on an island and someone drops you off on an island with no food, no water, there you are on the island, you're just living out your days. And then a ship comes and they pull up on the shore and they say, come on, get in, we're going to take you to safety. And you say, nah, go on, I'm just going to stay here and die. <laughs> All right then, fine. Have it your way. You can start a Burger King there. Have it your way. So then who condemned you? If you, if you refuse the ship that's come to save you, and you refuse that, then who's at fault? You. You. For rejecting, and that's what he says here, everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. So why don't your relatives get saved? Why doesn't your friend give their life to Christ? Because some people just love their sin. They like their lifestyle. They're convinced it's, it's what they want to do. And so you, you can't have it your way. You can't, it's not, they're incongruous. You can't live in the flesh and the spirit at the same time. They war against each other. And so, but isn't it, so people want, what's, what's wrong with the world? If God loved us so much, then why doesn't he change the world? Why doesn't he, he sent his son for, that whosoever, but a lot of whosoever's reject and live in their sin. So I want to encourage you, that maybe this morning you're here, maybe many of you have already been born again. Maybe some of you are going, I'm not sure I've been born again. Uh, you know, do you believe? That's the question. Do you really believe and do you have a life that demonstrates that belief? Look at the last verse and then we'll close. But he who does the truth, which means uh, being born again, believing in Jesus Christ, he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. And that's where I put the last one is transformational. You know, being a Christian, being born again, uh, takes us from living in darkness to living in the light. Takes us from living a life of hiding and sneaking and, and carousing and whatever, all these things that are kind of the secret parts of our life. The, the secret sins. And all of a sudden, because now you know I'm saved by grace through faith, hey, I can just freely confess, yes, I'm a dead man. It's true. I was dead. But because God loved me and sent his son, I'm alive. And I don't have to hide the fact. You guys know you're dealing with a dead guy. I still got that. We still struggle with that old nature, don't we? There's still part of that that tries to be alive. We know we still wrestle with that. But it's not who we are. Not like it used to be. And so you know that about me. And I know that about you. But let me encourage you. Come to the light. You don't have to hide because you're ashamed of what happened in your past. You don't have to hide because, of, you know, you were, you were told these things by your parents. You don't have to hide. It's about you and God and being born again. And it's transformational. And you can come to God and you say, ah, here I am. I want to be born again. I believe. I believe. True? Amen. Is that passage just incredible or what? Amen. I mean, that is awesome. Let's pray and I invite uh, the, the praise team to come up. And we're going to close with a song. And as always, you know, I'm not... 
Altar calls are fine. Uh, you can be born again sitting right in your seat. Isn't that great? If, if the Lord is touching your heart, and I believe that he probably is, so that you know that you know that you believe, then, then praise the Lord for it. Come up and let me know afterwards, hey, I, I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. God sent him on my behalf. I know that. I see that I'm, I'm dead in my sins and trespasses, but he has made me alive. I've been born again by the Spirit. Then tell somebody. Or if you want to pray, then just come on down and we'll pray with you about, um, about being born again. It's, what do you say? What, what, else are you li- what else are you living for in this life? Where else are you going to go? Who, who, Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. Let's stand.